The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Na, 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 come on! On today's episode of The Heat Check, we've got the co-hosts of D'Lo and Casey. You can find them Monday through Friday, 12 to 4 Pacific time on ESPN 1320. You can also get them on the Odyssey app. Uh, On YouTube, you can find them as well. Uh, Kenny's Instagram or Twitter follower uh, handle, excuse me, at IMKDiddy. Funny little handle. Also, you can find Damien at at Damien with an E. Damian Barling, you can find him on Twitter as well. Um, you guys are my my Kings insiders. Probably like one of the few guys on the what you would call like the radio beat. Like you talk to the guys on what is it nine nine eighty or whatever it is. Was it nine twenty? You know what I'm talking about? The San Francisco station. Oh, you talk to the crew at ninety five seven. Ninety yeah ninety five seven. They are delusional. Like absolutely delusional all the time. What what is it like that? They've got like the sports bar, whatever it is. I forget what their thing is. The morning roast. Those are my guys. Shout out Joe. The morning roast. They love them. They're phenomenal, but they are absolutely delusional. They think Wiseman is the next like great. Despite him having setback after setback after setback, like they and listen, Kaminga's really good and he could end up being something but mm. like they always overestimate what's happening in mm. golden state land you guys you guys trend probably more realist to pessimist which i love mm. like because i at least feel like i know the truth of what is the out outlying situation of the team mm-hmm. and and now we've got a million trades you guys have marvin bagley's gone boom that's a good thing Buddy mm-hmm. Heel's gone. That's a good thing. Great thing. Tristan Thompson's gone. Boom. That's a good thing. TT's uh, gone. You got Dante in. That's a good thing. White Dante. And Tyrese, though. Tyrese oh, Halliburton. Gone. <laughs> Tyrese oh. Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton gone. That's a bit, big bad thing, I would say. Dante DiVincenzo in, I think, probably trending very good thing as well. Mm-hmm. So... State of the Kings, get your feelings out. Tyrese Halliburton, we talked about this before. Our technical issues started to ensue. But, like, the Players' Tribune article was a mess. I'm sad. You guys are, you know, crying in the club. Uh, (laughs) Tell me kind of about the range of emotions that you guys are feeling right now. Yeah, I think one of the best things that that happened for the Kings was you you know you you get it, you lose Tyrese Halliburton, you're getting Demontis Sabonis, and I I think you know you talk about delusional fan bases or delusional radio show. 
Yeah, like I think that's all fan bases to a certain degree. Like you overvalue your players. And Halliburton was one season away from being a Hall of Famer here in Sacramento. Like this fan base loved that dude. He could do no wrong. As as Kenny says, he had a hundred percent approval rating when exiting office. And the best thing that happened to the Kings is first two games out the gate, they won. Oh. Yeah, no, no, Tyrese was cool. Something different here, and I think that was the most important part in those first two games when DeMontis Sabonis, or I should say the first two games when DeMontis Sabonis and that crew from Indiana played, the basketball looked a little bit different. You saw talent on the floor spread out. It wasn't just in the backcourt. The two best players on the Sacramento Kings prior to Tyrese Halliburton's were in the backcourt, and then in comes DeMontis Sabonis, and all of a sudden, the wealth is spread out through the floor a little bit, and you saw a different style of basketball. Yeah, and the interesting thing, about Tyrese Halliburton and Damien, tell me if, if I'm off with this, is, you know, they loved Tyrese Halliburton. Love Tyrese. They still love him to this day, obviously. But they loved him because he was a good ball player. And he loved you. He and he loved you. us, right? Yeah. Like, that is the yeah. thing. Now, I say it's interesting because while everybody here thought he was a really good ball player, and they loved him. They thought he was good. I don't think anybody thought of him the way the national media has portrayed him since he left Sacramento, right? You you would think that they just traded Magic Johnson. You just don't trade a player like that. I don't get it. What are the... The league... <laughs> should the, the league, league have stepped can, in? The league should have stepped in. This is a Chris Paul to the... To the Lakers type trade that Adam Silver should have said, Enough! Right. David Stern would have never. We we love the guy, but we were sitting here hearing stuff afterwards like, Hey, did we not watch him? Did we watch a different Tyrese Halliburton than the rest of the league? Because he's a good ball player. But I, I, I don't know. The outrage across national media and the league was a little excessive. And apparently um, we traded 2010 LeBron James the other day. I, I, apparently that's what it was. You know what I mean? But the the like Damian said, the first two games, Sabonis comes in, they won. And then there's this other little sneaky thing around here about in Sacramento about the early 2000s style of basketball. And Sabonis came in as a big man passing the ball around and it was whipping around the, the perimeter and everybody was getting involved. They had like 30 plus assists in both games and it triggered uh, an emotion for us of the early 2000s. You're like, that's like Vladi. That's like Weber. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, they just love Sabonis and everything he brings now. So it, it's actually it's actually a lot more fun times right now than it was maybe a week and a half ago out here. People are kind of excited. Absolutely. Do you think that uh, the emotional response would have been the same if it would have been Foxy that ended up getting traded instead mm-hmm. of Hallie? No. No. Why? no. Well, there, there is a segment. There is a segment that would be just as upset. But Fox, after, well, he's not the new shiny toy, number one. Number two, uh, he had a slow start to the year. He had some bad body language. He frustrated a lot of people. He doesn't have the 100% approval rating that, uh, and the money. You're 100% right, Damien. He doesn't have the 100% approval rating that Tyrese had. His approval rating is probably, I don't want to jump out the window. I don't want to go overboard. It's probably like 80%. Like what used to be a hundred, but some of the things that twenty percent is getting real, yeah, obnoxious yeah. part. Y'all are treating this dude like he's 
Yeah, he cleaves or something. Like, it's freaking De'Aaron <laughs> Fox. Like, man, this dude a good ball player. Like, he can work. Like, what, what are you talking about? And yeah. some of his body language, some of his, I feel like his approach a bit weird this year. And, you know, we couldn't quite put our finger on. And you had the, the two-week absence because of... consistent losing when you've been a consistent winner at every other level of your... Well, losing, uh, from what we hear, or what we're... Ankles? Like, this is this is a brand new study. Like, <laughs> you, you, you lose long enough, you get a sore ankle. And it keeps you out. And then there was the there was the awkwardness the day before the Tyrese Halliburton trade. De'Aaron was a full go at practice. He was still listed as the game time decision for the next night. But you wake up the next day, Tyrese Halliburton gets traded, and all of a sudden we're looking around like it's gonna be weird when De'Aaron just returns to the lineup out of nowhere, right? And so we learned through some social media interactions as the day went along. Yeah, De'Aaron's coming back tonight, and it's going to be awkward. And he came back and. He was smiling and he was running up and down the floor, playing 35 minutes. <laughs> and then Sabonis is able to debut, you know, two nights later, or it wasn't two nights later, it was the next night. It was the back to back against Minnesota at the Golden One Center. Sabonis was able to debut the next night, and all of a sudden, Oh, we've got we've got something cooking here. <laughs> There's this great still shot of De'Aaron holding on just clutching the bonds i mean eyes closed chest to chest embrace and you can almost see the exhale in the still photo after that yeah. first win against minnesota the air fox's fiance posted something on of a text message sent to her and with a picture of fox holding sabonis and whoever sent it was like damn reese he don't even hug you like that <laughs> <laughs> So do you think, like, I guess that there was some level of internal competition between Fox and Tyrese or just, like, guys who play the same position that maybe, like, don't fit nearly as much as maybe the Kings organization thought that they might, that maybe brought down the vibes for, for Foxy? Or what, what do you think that is? I think it was two guys at the same position in different roles. Like we look at, you know, we, we I think we take for granted the term positionless basketball and we just think that it applies to everything. And it's like, that's fine. Positionless basketball if you want to. But Tyrese is used to having the ball in his hands and he's looking to distribute. It's why Magic Johnson on the night of his draft said, yo, this dude looks like me. He looks like Lil Magic. That's why my partner for two years called him Lil Magic because of, Magic. of that line right there. But then when you take the ball out of his hands, it's like, no, De'Aaron's really good at that, too. All of a sudden, you have two guys that are trying to figure out different roles. They're still guards. They're still supposed to be positionless. You're still supposed to do everything you're used to doing. It's just you're doing it in an entirely different form now. And I think, I think sometimes we get lazy in our assessment of basketball thinking, oh, it's just a guard position. Well, it's not. These two have been used to being the facility their entire careers. Tyrese Halliburton, when he has the ball, is a little magic and – when he doesn't have the ball, he turns into uh, Robertson in OKC, just standing in the corner, not effective at all. And they actually both were like that. And, that, and, and it, from everything that we could tell, it was never anything personal with those two. They liked each other. They liked playing with each other. They wanted to try and figure it out. They just couldn't. Like, it didn't seem like it was ever going to work with those two. That's exactly where I was going because – it feels like right now, and this is not a King-specific comment, I think this is a basketball-specific comment right now with this era, is that if you're not a ball-dominant guard, then you pretty much are, I don't want to say, like, voided useless, but, like, people are not moving, players are not moving without the basketball, like, a la Steph Curry does, mm -hmm. right? And 
And the Golden State system has gotten guys very good at, at buying in to know you cut, you're constantly in motion, whether you have the ball or whether you don't, because it wears out defenses. Yeah. Like it makes it very difficult for even like a team like the Lakers right now, because they've got a couple of ball dominant, few ball dominant guys on the team. And when they don't have the ball, they just, it's like almost like someone put the controller down on 2K. Like that player is just no longer even like doing anything. Well, yeah. to stall De'Aaron and Tyrese a little bit, I, I think it's also you talk about that constant motion in, in basketball. I think they were often playing with guys who maybe forgot what they were supposed to do offensive end. Right. And it right. would right. lead right. you. Yeah, it would lead you into some really possessions where you're like, hey, why are there four guys over there? Oh, two of them are in the wrong spot. And it, 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 <laughs> I saw Buddy Heel do it his first night for Indiana. He was standing shoulder to shoulder with, I want to say, maybe Chris Duarte. I was like, what are you doing right there? <laughs> Welcome to the last four years play. in Sacramento, homie. I think we're talking about the same play. I remember, too, I think it was Tyrese Halliburton there. And Tyrese was ready for a swing. Like, somebody had it up top. Tyrese was ready for a swing. All of a sudden, Buddy Hill just runs right in front of Tyrese Halliburton and gets the ball. You're not supposed to be there. I know that's not the play. I know that's not the play. What are you doing? That, and that even wasn't, when on the perimeter, he shifts like towards. I'm like, <laughs> the whole point is to not bring your defender near the guy with the ball. Yeah, you that, hit that the was a, it was <laughs> nightly struggle, like multiple times per night struggle. And they're in, you know, as great as the additions have been to the Sacramento Kings, there's a very, very good argument that the subtractions have been just as important. Do you right. think that the Kings, just back to that point about Fox versus Halliburton, do you feel like the Kings value Fox more than they did Halliburton, or was it just the only way that the deal got done? Because I saw a lot of stuff like on Hoopsite saying that the Kings weren't interested in trading Fox, but I also heard that other teams were more interested in team-friendly deals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's something that we've tried to evaluate a lot over the last you know week or whatever it's been is really if you believe there's a you know Tyrese has just you know the, that's awesome and if you're a team Indiana's looking to rebuild like we couldn't figure out why like Indiana doesn't a team that's rebuilding De'Aaron Fox doesn't make sense for them because why are you going to re 30 million dollar contract when there are still I think De'Aaron I think we can all agree there are some questions but like when you look at contracts you put other players who make that money into the same category okay he's not Davion or, or not he's not Donovan Donovan Mitchell yeah not Davion Mitchell. He's not Donovan Mitchell. He's not Jason Tatum either. And so it's like, well, but he's good, but he makes the same amount of money that they make. So if you're rebuilding, if you're starting over, it's easier to build around a guy who's in the second year of, of the NBA. He's in the second year of a rookie contract, which gives you the ability to keep him you know, on your roster for a very long time and put the right pieces around him. Tyrese for a rebuilding team made so much more sense than De'Aaron Fox did. Right. And one of the things, uh, one of our uh, our insider, our Kings insider on ESPN 1320 brought up a good point. And he talked about when uh, De'Aaron Fox was out for two weeks and Tyrese got to play by himself, essentially. And he played really well, right? He's out there probably averaged 20 plus points per game, seven, eight assists tonight. He played, played really well. But they got beat by 60 30, like 25 twice, like they were getting beat down. And it did two things. It kind of raised Tyrese trade value because you saw what he could do 
just by himself. So that probably was appealing to other teams. But also for the Kings, it made it say, well, as great as Tyrese Halliburton is, how far are we really going to go if he's our best piece? In that particular case, if we don't feel like he, he can, you know, he can transcend what's going on here in Sacramento, maybe we put him in a deal, get Fox, who, you know, the contract and everything is a real issue. But if we can pair him up with another top flight big or something like that, we call big fish out here like Sabonis, like Sabonis maybe that's a little more of a fast track to where we want to get. And I think that time with Fox being off, I think it helped a lot for them to kind of get a uh, get a clear view of what moves they need to make. And I, yeah, I think there's one other thing too, Trista, sorry, that okay. Tyrese is a great passer. De'Aaron's a great scorer, but so is Sabonis. Yep. Yeah. Like, I, I don't want to say you completely balanced that out a little bit, but you kind of did. It's not like a net negative six. Sabonis is good for five there with the passing big man. Right. Yeah, and I think that that's what makes the move interesting, and I think it showcases how important it's not just the two-man game that is important. It's where the two men are in mm-hmm. on the court. But it's like all about um, where the two-men game is. And this is as a Blazer fan who had CJ and Dame for a decade. Uh, you realize it doesn't really matter how good those two guys are because they literally are in the same spots on the floor and they don't complement each other in terms of winning. Uh, and like that would be... That would be all good and fine if we had a big that you could rely on, one that could pass. Like, Nurkic is not Sabonis. Like, let's be real. Like, Yusuf Nurkic isn't that. Um, that kind of leads me into the rest of the trade talk uh, and what happened at the deadline and what you guys' thoughts are because we now have an Embiid-Harden combination, uh, and now we have Ben Simmons in Brooklyn. Like, what do you guys think? And I know this isn't really Kings related, but it sort of is in, in regards to like how you construct a roster. Who do you think and like how what's your assessment of how they've both constructed their rosters? First, Kenny, because, you know, I'm about to rail on James Harden in, 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 in Philadelphia. So go ahead. Well, let me say for Philly side. Right. Um I guess you got what you were looking for. I kind of feel like Daryl Morey got a he got screwed in his deal because he reportedly was asking for a whole lot, and he didn't really get any of that except for he got the superstar in James Harden. And I don't like the way James Harden plays. I'm not a huge James Harden fan, but I know what he produces out there on the floor. It's crazy. I think, you know, everybody's like, oh, James Harden, he's trying to play his way out of Brooklyn. He's fat. He's in. A, he's not engaged and everything else like that. And then I go and I look at his numbers, and I agree, he is having a down year. But that down year is still 22 points, 10 assists, 8 rebounds a night. Like, he's – the production is, is unmatched. So I think Philadelphia getting James Harden for this year, they're better than they were – Coming into the year, I think they're better than they would have been if Ben Simmons would have been there all year. Harden and Embiid give them an opportunity to win a championship. I didn't think they had that opportunity, especially with no Ben Simmons there. So they got better there. On the Brooklyn side, then that might be for the future. I don't think Ben Simmons is, is going to really help them make a championship charge this year. But you got to look at, okay, it helps for the future. I know KD's going to be there. 
I doubt Kyrie's going to be there. So now you're looking at a situation of offer him. You don't think they offer him a deal this offseason? I, you know, it's up in the air. I could see them saying, "Just, just go, Kyrie. Just go." Like we're tired of this nonsense. Myself and Damian, we talked about it yesterday. Does Does anybody sign Kyrie? You know, with everything that comes along with them uh, next year, who's the owner that's going to say, "Yeah, I want to take a chance on that." So. Uh, looking in the future, it, I like Seth Curry. I like Seth Curry a lot. I think he could kind of hop into that Kyrie role next year. So I think this deal helps Brooklyn more next year. I think this deal helps Philly more this year. I don't think either team got closer to winning a championship this year uh, because there's no acquisition that could be made that makes Harden all of a sudden is a championship player. He's just not. <laughs> he's he's fall short year after year and you could blame it on injuries you could blame it on injuries to teammates you could do and, and i've said this I, I feel like i always have to say this now because i've never been a, a fan of james harden what he did last year playing through the hamstring injury and playing essentially two straight games without sitting playing game six and seven that's pretty incredible uh but they lost and he has this ability like he's been able to push himself out of houston and brooklyn and back-to-back years as the trade goes i think again i, I don't think it really is consequential for this season Next year, I, I, I don't know what we're going to see when Ben Simmons finally takes the floor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've speculated, are they going to keep Ben Simmons out? Are they going to allow him to ramp up until Kevin Durant comes back? And so you got, you know, Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, and Seth Curry out there all on the floor together. And now you can really potentially see what Brooklyn has. Um, if Ben, everything falls on the shoulders of Ben Simmons. Like if he's playing at that, at, at that top defense, that top ball distributor level that we know that he's capable of. And that team that that maybe they could get on a run in the playoffs, get through Milwaukee, get through, you know, if Chicago winds up being there late. Nobody. Mm -mm. We have a, we have a, um, we have one of our, it's, it's not a bit, I guess it is whatever. Uh, We talk about who has the championship belt in the league. Not like, so in, if somebody said, who's the best player in the league, it's, probably LeBron still right like LeBron is the GOAT maybe even Kevin Durant but that's different because we're wrestling fans than who has the belt right who has the championship belt and right now Giannis has the belt like he, he's the champ he's got the belt he's the best player in the league at this particular yeah. moment I don't know who <clears throat> <at the moment. clears throat> sorry I just I just I'm just he, he went, he went ahead with one. there's a brother in Chicago who is walking down that ramp right now. His theme music is playing, and he's, he's getting ready to go nose-to-nose with Giannis Antetokounmpo right now because we got to yeah. stop ignoring what DeMar DeRozan and the Chicago Bulls are doing. He, he is, but Giannis is sitting in the middle of the ring with the belt on his shoulder. Just one, it, just one year right now. DeRozan's walking down to make the challenge. That's all I'm saying. Like I He's getting ready to go eye-to-eye eye with him. In the playoffs, Damien. I need to see my man in the playoffs here. Respect the bit, Trista. He can lose the title later. I'm just saying, in, in a wrestling scenario, oh he's coming. Walking, that's it. He's walking down the right eye like Hulk Hogan and, and Andre at WrestleMania 3. Chris Middleton comes in with the chair <laughs> as he's in the ramp. He's like, no, this is my house. But who does he hit? Mar DeRozan. See, that's the beauty of this bit. Middleton oh. and, and Drew Holiday play the role of the Usos in this situation. All right. All right. And, 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 and Giannis. Everybody acknowledge me. I'm with it. I'm with it. Somewhere there's fire. 
Somewhere gotta be. Fire. You gotta have fire. You gotta there have fire. Be That's the heat. Fire. There you go. That's right. <laughs> So back back to the Kings, because that's kind of like what I want to finish the convo on. It's like, where where are they? Like, where are they in the development and the ascension? Like, optimism level from 1 to 10. Mm-hmm. This year, obviously, you're not going to do much besides maybe fight for a plan seed. But, like, where do you guys rank the optimism for the future of this franchise? Because I think it's actually probably – and you're in a better spot right now than probably we are, Portland. Is. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it was weird to hear you say had when you were referring to CJ and Dame. That was like, oh, that's right. They had. Yeah. Wild. Um, yeah, they, they – I, I, I think you're right. Uh, then Portland, I think this year, and this is the frustrating you know, consequence of being a Kings fan or someone who covers the Kings is – you root for good things to happen, but you realize what we saw over the course of the last week or so won't be able to be measured until. And obviously we hope Monty McNair has a successful off season and is able to add a couple of more pieces that still desperately needs. They're still really bad defensively. Uh, who they need a be? shooter. Who would the target, who, who, who would the addition be? I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> The guy who just got traded to Brooklyn would be really ideal. Who I who yeah. I don't know that he know Seth Curry has a Sacramento Kings jersey somewhere. He would be ideal here because he's smart and he can shoot. Like he has a high basketball IQ. He can run. He can. And this is a phrase Kenny and I are so sick of hearing. But he could spread the floor. He can open <laughs> things up a little bit for Sabonis and Harrison Barnes, who has played pretty well with the exception of that Brooklyn game. Different acquisitions have come over. Uh, but I think that, you know, if if the Kings wind up getting to the 10th spot, it, that that's cool because it means they've played better since the trade. It means they're on an uptick. But really, the measurement of all of this is going to be how they start next season. And, of course, you don't want to face plant either the rest of the way. Like, we know there are shortcomings on the Kings, but we also think that they got better over the course of the last week. So they need to finish with a... They need to finish with a high over the course of the last 20-some-odd games, and they started the first 50-some. And what we've seen is all about next year. Yeah, they, the level of optimism for the Kings in the city and, and with people that follow the team like myself and Damian, I mean, it, it's done a complete 180 over the course of the last week and a half. I mean, it was looking dreadful with the group that they had with the prospects of, you know, probably being in, in the top seven again in a draft, but not being bad enough to be top three or something like that, needing a miracle. It was looking dreadful. And then they make a deal. They get a guy like Sabonis. And like Damien just pointed out, this year, yes, you want to compete. You want to play well uh, because it's there for you. But it's really gave so much optimism for next year, this summer. You you have Sabonis. You have De'Aaron Fox. Um, you've got Harrison Barnes, who's rejuvenated and put into a different light with this particular trade with Sabonis coming to fruition. And now you've got situations where we got a little more spending money. We have assets to trade. We love them out here, but it doesn't. We don't know if it fits. Rashawn Holmes, you pair that with the first round pick that I don't want to say you don't need to use, but because you have somebody like Sabonis who's only twenty five years old, and you can look at him and Fox, you can pair that first round pick, which could be a top ten pick, with the Rashawn Holmes to get another possible big fish. You ask who? Some people have talked about uh, like Miles Bridges. You know, see if you could work out a sign and trade with Charlotte for them and, and bolster the roster that way. And there's something that. People talk about with Chicago, and I, I it just stays in my head. I, my partner's probably tired of me talking about it every day. But they talk about 
Chicago last year when they got Vucevic, they got him, missed the playoff, and they had him and, and Zach Levine. And they talk about how having two guys was a better presentation for somebody like DeMar DeRozan to say, hey, you're not going to have to come and it on your shoulders. We've got two guys already. We just need you to complete that triangle. And now with Sabonis and Fox, whether it's with free agency or through trade, the Kings may be able to do that this summer. Go to somebody like a DeRozan type player and say, hey, come here, you know, complete this triangle and then help get us into a legitimate playoff spot and not just the playing situation. So in, it's in, a long way of saying like you, they've kind of changed the outlook on everything in about a week. And point guard who can literally see everything before you do. <laughs> right. And on, like <laughs> just an extraordinary passer. Like he sees the court, like it, it, they set table so beautifully for free agency this year. And it, and a guy who we've stolen from L.A. because they're so intent to not pay the luxury tax on him and Alex uh, Caruso, and he's going to be the heartbeat and the soul mm-hmm. of your team, and you, mm-hmm. you're going to just absolutely call him the GOAT um, yeah. as a role player. So, yeah, I think that it's an, it's an interesting and exciting time, especially, I think, like, I, I really like Sabonis, but the fact that you don't have to deal with Marvin Bagley and Buddy Heald anymore is just like you get rid of so much drama, and you're seeing that with the Nets too, right? Like mm-hmm. you got rid of Harden, who's one of the best scorers and playmakers in the league, but everyone hated him. Like right. he was doing dumb shit on and off the court. He right. did not want to be there. I heard a story that he was in the hotel, either in Utah or Denver, I always get him confused, and had all kinds of shenanigans going on when he wasn't playing. And so you get guys who are off the team and Tristan Thompson, who have had their share of drama. Like, nobody wants to see their teammate in the headlines like that. Yeah. Like, just adds, like, a level of gray clouds to the party that's already not, like, doesn't have a lot of drinks already. You only have one kind of chips, you know? <laughs> People aren't really trying to come to that kind of a party, yeah. you know what I mean? Unless they're I, down I, for what Tristan's down for. And look, I've been I've been somewhat critical of De'Aaron Fox's leadership skills um, throughout the course of the season. But I'm going to stall him out a little bit here. And everything that you talked about with Bagley, Buddy not running plays and doing stuff like that, and TT in the tabloids every week. Somebody like De'Aaron Fox is probably sitting there like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> like, what, what the hell is going on? So, yeah. There when Mary said, There it is again. When Mary sang No More Drama at the Super Bowl, she did that for us. No she doubt. Was, she was speaking directly to Sacramento Kings fans. All right. no, more, no more drama. Damn ridiculous. No I, more. I love Chrome, but they're not treating me well right now. It's wild. No, and, and I think for me, as like someone who watches De'Aaron Fox, not I wouldn't say like decide to kind of just chuck the deuces in the middle of the season and say, you guys need to sort some things out before I come back. Well. But – like, I get that. Like, you're a winner. <laughs> you've won at every level to a degree, right? Like, you've been the man, and you come to a place that you probably didn't want to go to to begin with, and then it sort of deteriorates, and then you're like, I don't even know how, how this could get better, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I guess the, the final question that I have for you guys is, what's your prediction for who coaches this team in a oh. year from now? Can we just, I, I don't, I don't Prediction know. Prediction and, and uh, like greatest hope or like your wish list. Yeah, we, I, so I. <laughs> this is where it's tricky. Well, look, yeah. I'll, Damien, I'll say this. 
I don't know if it's Damien's hope. I don't know if it's people's hope. <sighs> now that they got now they got some players in here, you can sell it on not being a disaster. I think it might be Doug Christie. So yeah. Because I love Doug and I, I have a, a just endless amount of respect for Alvin. I, I felt like this a couple of weeks ago. I still feel the same. You have to rid yourself of the entire coaching staff. Mm. This And it's where the Kings are this season on Luke Walton, though I didn't think he was a good coach. And on Alvin Gentry, I don't blame it on Rico Hines, Doug Christie, Lynn, Stacey, Mike, anyone else who's here. It's just it, it, it doesn't work. Hire a head coach. Allow that head coach to hire their entire staff from top to bottom without the organization stepping in and saying, oh, no, no, we're going to need you to keep this guy around, though, because that's immediately going to put this thing in the Kings. That's uh, what happened with the Pacers when he kept. Uh, Borgren? What was the name? Bor- Bor- yeah, Nate name? Bjorkren kept Bjorkren. a couple of guys in, and one of them ended up leaving in the middle of the season due to the quote-unquote mental health issues and basically – saying that Nate Bjorkman was hated by all the players. He's talking to Woj. Now Nate Bjorkman ends up losing his job because you've got this whisper campaign that wasn't even close to true, and now Nate Bjorkman is back in Toronto as an assistant coach instead of doing what he should be doing, which is running the Pacers. Now you have an old-school coach like Rick Carlisle, in, who's great, like, but isn't the, the biggest player's coach either. You know, well, I so. need I need some behind the scenes footage of Rick Carlisle and Buddy Heald. Like, give me that. Like, that's 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 what I'm here for. Give me that on Inside the NBA. Let me let me, let me see Rick Carlisle's. Give me that on. Get a Patreon for that. So who is it? You want to see like a a young gun like a David Vanderpool come in, or like I, a Kenny Atkinson who like gets guys to develop and work hard. Or, yeah. Kenny Atkinson is definitely going to be a name Kings fan pool someone that I've I've I you know I wanted in the last <laughs> hirings those are all like I, I I think those are probably the top two on the list uh Kenny Atkinson and David Vanderpool but outside of that I mean I feel like Sam Cassell, Sam Cassell is now kind of morphing into the Eric Bieniemy category right. where it's like yeah, I guess this dude just isn't getting a job I guess he's just going to continue to be like a high-end assistant across the league. So I, I don't really know how that works. But right now, early, early, early uh, D'Lo uh, coaching power rankings. Kenny Atkinson's probably second. Sam Cassell will still be on the why that's taking so long. Uh, and and, and, those and will who's be the, number one right now on your power ranking? David Vanderpool. David Vanderpool. Mm. Yeah, he's number one. Yours, Kenny, is Doug Christie. I think that's who's going to get it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind seeing Doug Christie there. I like Damien. I I've been a big fan of Sam Cassell. I think he should get his opportunity uh, with one of these teams in the league. So uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Sam Cassell. That'd probably be my favorite if I had to pick number one. A lot of people will see that higher. A lot of people here will see that higher and believe that it wasn't made by Monty McNair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if it wasn't made by Monty McNair, it, the Kings just they're continuing the same issues that they've had for the last seven or eight years. Right. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what ends up happening. Uh, It's always a pleasure. I will see you guys Friday. Well, I'm sure we'll have plenty to discuss. Trista, when we when we get you in Sacramento, man, come on, you gotta come to the Golden One Center. You gotta pull up, you know, with champagne and campaign, have a good time. Come on, you gotta come out here. I would like to do that. I I uh I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm um I'm locked into a studio and they just like make me stay there. I believe it. Hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. Um, 
How about we plan for summer league? Because the Sacramento one is first. Okay. Yeah. And then I can go from that one to the Vegas one in a 100%. Belt swoop. So I would Done say deal. July then. Absolutely. Done deal. We'll make that Done happen. Deal. Done yeah. deal. The summer league. I'm with it. Yeah. D-Lo and Casey here with me on the heat check. We'll have to do this again, guys. You can find them uh, on ESPN 1320. Uh, from 12 to 4 p.m. Pacific time. So that's 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time because that's what I'm rocking at. Uh, make sure you follow Diddy on Twitter and Damien with an E, Barling, B-A-R-L-I-N-G on Twitter. Anything else you guys need to plug? No. Trey Lance is good. On that Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.